Got an idea for a Senate bill. Before I introduce it, I'd like your help. Maybe understand better what your thoughts are on it. You see folks north of the canal right now, the ones running this state, elected officials especially, but bureaucrats nonetheless. Well, they seem to think they got it figured out. They seem to know better than you and I, us folks below the canal, you know, slower Delaware, on how best to manage our lives. So I'd like to introduce a bill that acknowledges their superiority, in fact, gives it to them. How about we introduce a bill that allows us folks below the canal to secede? You know, kind of like North Dakota, South Dakota. We got North Carolina. We got South Carolina. I see nothing offensive in having a good old-fashioned North Delaware and South Delaware. So those folks from up north, the ones that are really smart, well, they can have at it with their own government, their own governors, their own restrictions, their own broad reach and big government, have at it. And us folks below the canal, you know, the ones that like a more simpler way of life, we'll be just fine. We can figure it out just fine without you. We'll have some limited government, whole lot of less restrictions, and we'll just simply allow folks to trust in what good Americans do. Rely on personal responsibility and the liberties afforded to us under the United States Constitution and the Southern Delaware Constitution, which in essence says this, live free. You be you and I'll be me. Comrades and friends, hello. Uh, we're here in the shadow of Rockford Tower behind enemy lines in the belly of the Delaware Way Beast. Uh, this is Rob, and this is your Highlands Bunker podcast. Um, this week, we're going to do um, something a little bit different. Uh, we have the crew in studio for a sort of weekend review, but we're also going to be um, having some conversations with some other folks um, sort of intertwined in it um, to give you a little flavor of what's going on. But in the studio, as always, Super Producer Carl. Big Bill and uh, Kirsten, how are you? GM, doing great. And um, on the on the phone right now with us uh, is the director of the Creative Visions Factory, local artist Michael Kambach. Hello, Michael. Hello, Rob. How how's everybody doing? I mean, we're doing pretty well. I can't uh, can't complain too much. As I said, the the, the first order of business was just to take. Uh, a, a minute or two to reflect on this uh, this weed legalization that we finally got, and also um, to laugh at, at John Carney a little bit because uh, you know I, I guess and and, and I, maybe everybody sort of agrees with this, but this went down because it was veto proof this time, and so Carney had to come up with some way to save his own personal sort of brand or face um, without actually doing anything. And you know if that's how it had to work politically, that's how it had to work, but. I mean that's pretty much that, that's pretty much what happened, and I guess we can we can thank you know the Carrie Evelyn Harris's and uh, of the world and the uh, Deshauna Neals of the world um, because that pretty much locked up um, you know locked up a veto-proof supermajority. I mean, is that pretty much what everybody feels on this one? I think anything could happen. <laughs> anything could have if uh, yeah. he vetoed, um, but I'm glad he didn't. He did the the most carny thing ever. 
Yeah, no, I think it's really appropriate. Yeah, yeah just get just have your spokes team, have your spokespeople uh, write a a, a, yeah. a ridiculous statement and then just do nothing. Yeah, be like, at the end it's of time the day, to move on. Yeah, we're all just happy he didn't overexert himself because <laughs> we don't want him working too hard. So, think yeah. you know, I'm happy he worked <laughs> smarter, not harder on this one for once. Yeah. So um, later today, and by the by the magic of Carl's uh, editing process. We are going to um, speak with uh, Zoe Pichel of the Delaware Cannabis Network. Um, Zoe's been on before. Uh, we've talked about her long-term advocacy for cannabis legalization and you know all of the different people that she's worked with. And uh, right now, we're going to cut in a little conversation with Zoe Pichel. So, uh, Zoe, thanks so much for taking the time. Um, I, I obviously, as I said, this is a week to talk to you. Um, what are your first reactions after uh, after all this time? And now that um, the the legislation is passed and it's going to be cannabis is going to be uh, legal in in Delaware. What what was your what was your reaction when you heard it was going to go down? Uh, I mean, just absolutely exciting i mean this has just been such a long-awaited victory 10 years in the making um you know there's obviously still a lot of work to do but uh this is just a historic milestone um you know we were kind of expecting uh governor carney to veto the legislation again and we're gearing up for another override vote and all that entails so um you know when the news broke that he was just kind of going to let this one go. I mean, it's just, you know, relief, elation, excitement, um, so many feelings. Um, and this was just such a collaborative process of like thousands of Delawareans across the state, you know, dozens of coalition members that helped us achieve this long-awaited victory. Um, and, you know, we had such a great team of volunteers and, you know, this was an all-volunteer um, led movement. So, I mean, we're just so grateful for everything everybody's contributed um, over the last 10 years. And, you know, I know legalization um, was kind of an overlooked reform, but the impact is so huge for the state of Delaware. Um, you know, most importantly to us, 10 criminal and civil penalties uh, will be repealed or were repealed with HB1. Um, and that also ended the practice of law enforcement using the mere odor of cannabis as probable cause. So this will protect one in five Delaware adults um, and and more than 100 stops a week just for simple cannabis possession offenses, um, as well as prevent countless police encounters across the state. Um, so this was a huge reform. And then obviously HB2 establishes the legal framework uh, for the cornerstones for a fair and equitable market. Um, so you know, there's still a lot of work to be done, um, but this was a huge milestone, um, and we're going to keep working on everything that wasn't included in this piece of legislation. Yeah, before we get to, um, like, w what it's going to look like and, and, and where we're going to go sort of next steps, I... Um, I when I when I went back and looked at your information, I uh, it said that you joined your bio. I think said you joined Delaware Normal in 2010. Is that is that correct? That's 13 years ago. 
Yeah, so actually, um, I was a volunteer out of Philly, Philly Normal and the uh, National Normal Women's Alliance out of Philadelphia beginning in 2010. Um, and I worked with that group mainly as just a volunteer. Um, and then I had moved to Delaware and um, Cynthia Ferguson put out, you know, an invitation to start the very first Delaware Normal Board in 2013. Um, there were a few chapters before that chapter, um, but they had kind of just disappeared. There was a University of Delaware chapter. I think, you know, after the students had graduated, you know, that chapter kind of just disappeared. Um, so I was one of the co-founding board members of Delaware Normal here in 2013. And then almost immediately upon uh, founding that, in, that organization, we realized that, you know, Delaware didn't have voter initiative like many of the states that had legalized cannabis uh, for adults 21 and older up until that period. Um, so we would need to create um, like a lobbying organization, you know, with Delaware residents. Um, so we started Cannabis Bureau Delaware, which inevitably became Delaware Cannabis Advocacy Network. Yeah, I mean, I, I want you to, you, you mentioned early, you know, a, a few minutes ago about, how you were able to organize an all-volunteer group over that period of time. We talked about this before when we sort of talked at length, but I just want to give you an opportunity to sort of talk about what it was like over all of those years and all of, like, the events and the panel discussions and the rallies and the lobbying. Um, yeah, it's such, a, it's such a great victory, and, and, you know, people who have our type of politics or do the type of advocacy uh, or to have the type of project that we have, don't get to celebrate a lot of like victories after so long. And so, yeah, you, do you want to talk a little bit about the organizing aspect and the, and the people and, and how you were able to sort of bring that all to bear over that period of time? Yeah, I mean, it's really incredible just looking back on it. Like I said, the collaborative process of, you know, the thousands of Delawareans that contributed to this single issue campaign over a 10-year period um, you know, sustained um, efforts to achieve this victory, um, you know, and leading the efforts um, specifically on this measure. Um, so just so entirely grateful. Um, you know, our organization uh, organized and participated in over 550 events over that 10-year period, like you said, with um, everything from um, public forums to town halls, um, you know, tabling at, you know, the myriad of events throughout the state of Delaware to build our volunteers and our lists. Um, and, um, you know, things like Know Your Rights um, seminars to try to keep people safe during that period because, you know, during that time uh, frame, there was over approximately 50,000 to 55,000, um, based on conservative estimates of the available data, um, people that were charged with simple cannabis possession offenses in that time period since we began uh, advocating to end the civil and criminal penalties for cannabis. Um, so it's just an incredible process. I've learned so much, um, you know, both about, you know, <laughs> how a boots on the ground campaign operates, you know, over that sustained period of time, as well as how, you know, the Delaware way, of course, and how things work at Legislative Hall, which I think, you know, the, the <laughs> I think the average person 
um, has no clue of, you know, the amount of power and, you know, special interest groups um, that oppose um, efforts that are meant to benefit Delaware residents and citizens. Um, so it's just been such an incredible process. And, you know, like I said, we have a lot of more, a lot more work to do. Um, so we're going to definitely be using everything that we learned to continue to advocate and, you know, accomplish all our goals. Yeah, so I, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, what we can expect uh, as this sort of rolls out. Uh, I know that, for example, I've 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 traveled abroad and and experienced you know uh, you know getting cannabis in Amsterdam and in the Netherlands and in Europe and also in other places in the United States in the last. 10 years, Seattle, Denver, etc. Um, what can we expect as far as sort of retail shops, licensing, um, sort of supply? Because I know, for example, Seattle, when I was there, uh, when, when they were legal for a year or two, they had sort of like supply chain sort of situations. Like, what can we expect when this rolls out? And then what will you be working on to sort of tighten up any loose ends or address some things that maybe weren't addressed in this first sort of phase of passage? Yeah, um, that's a big question. Sure, of course. Yeah, I, because I think everybody's sort of like, I, I'll give you an example. Um, we've talked and we're going to talk later in this program uh, just about like, there's different sort of, um, you know, for lack of a better term, just vibes. Like, you know, are 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 you going to be able to go into a cool shop and like hang out, or is it going to be sort of like a pharmacy sort of transaction? Are you going to be going, you know, to an industrial place? Like, what's the zoning going to be for a retail shop? You know, or is there going to be one sort of in a shopping center? Or are you going to go to, or do we know, you know, are you going to go to sort of more of an industrial place because that's where it's zoned and that's the people who have sort of the licensing to, 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 to sell it in, in a retail way? Because I know, you know, that was one of the, one of the sticking points for people that had our type of politics were like, who's going to get the opportunity to get these licenses to, to grow, to supply and to sell? Uh, and how is it going to? How is it actually going to look for a, for like a regular person who's going to go and 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 uh, you know and buy recreational cannabis? Right. There's a lot of answers in all of that. Um, of course, um, you know it's it's quite an expensive process before we're going to see the first legal shop open here in the state of Delaware. Um, basically, barring no delays of the timeline. Um, we should see the first legal sales sometime between um, Thanksgiving 2024 and New Year's um, of 2025, so the end of that year. Um, there's a lot of steps that go uh, into that process. Uh, first and foremost, the governor has um, 90 days to make recommendations for the appointment of both the cannabis commissioner uh, as well as three members of the appeal commission. Um, and then they set their office up and start promulgating regulations. And those processes are extremely important um, and something that we're going to be heavily involved in. 
um, to ensure that Delaware keeps their regulations consumer-centered uh, and doesn't create, you know, overburdensome regulations that threaten the success of a competitive market or create barriers to entry, especially for, um, you know, the communities um, that have been disproportionately impacted by cannabis prohibition. You know, we're going to have to stay very diligent in this process to make sure that the implementation, um, you know, uh, goes with the intent of the goals that were set out uh, in this bill, like the social equity licenses and the small business licenses, the micro licenses um, and things like that. Um, so, you know, what it looks like, what this market looks like uh, very much depends on um, the commissioner, the regulations, as well as our work moving forward to ensure that the way that this is implemented uh, aligns with the goals that were set forth um, in the legislation. Um, there's a lot of ways that they can get this wrong through the implementation uh, process and through regulations. We obviously, you know, have seen some states like Colorado and Oregon get it very right, um, where it's a very competitive market. Um, you know, just a quick comparison, um, you know, medical cannabis here in the state of Delaware, medical cannabis patients are paying some of the highest prices in the entire country. Uh, for medical cannabis, but that same product is being sold at a fraction of the cost in competitive markets, including from stores that operate these multi-state operators that operate both here in Delaware and competitive markets. Um, so obviously, like what we saw with the implementation of the medical marijuana program and that market went completely wrong. I mean, there's known outcomes of oligopolies, and that's exactly what we're seeing in the medical program. Um, so there's there's definitely some concern um, and, you know, need to stay very uh, involved in this process to make sure that we do have um, a competitive market that, you know, is diverse, inclusive, equitable, um, you know, focuses on small business um, as well as uh, social equity um, and includes, um, communities that have been historically disproportionately impacted by prohibition, which we've seen in other states, um, that these communities um, and people that have been directly impacted have been left out of uh, competing in this uh, multi-million dollar market. So there's a lot that goes involved, you know, goes into that whole process. Um, and um, it, it's going to be a lot of work uh to make yeah. sure that the market that that we've been fighting for for so long yeah i mean this is uh, i guess this is where we're going to find out because you know you have a you know sort of a recalcitrant governor and executive branch who you know just happened to be based on force of advocacy and 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 activism and political forces um you know has let this proceed. Uh, but that same executive branch is tasked with putting the, put, you know, putting the, the, the institution and the oversight onto it and to write the rules for how this is going to work. And on one hand, you would think, you know, someone like Governor Carney is, you know, sort of laissez-faire, you know, let them let the market sort of like work itself out in the favor of, 
you know, small business, large business, whatever. But in this case, you know, because of basically, let's just be honest, because of personal feelings, um, there might be a, you know, there might be a desire to, uh, to slow play it because, you know, let's just be honest, as you said, and I think this is my understanding, the governor's office has a lot of power here in, in, in selecting and putting in place um, the, the people who are going to implement this. And so just with everything else, I, as you said, I, I, I urge people to, to stay involved in this to make sure that everything that, you know, everything that we want it to look like, it will look like, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, obviously we needed to get this done sooner rather than later, especially, you know, due to the harms that are caused by cannabis prohibition, you know, to the people and communities of Delaware. But it is a little worrisome um, that it's going to be implemented under an administration that um, is just flat out against legalization um, and has been known for obstruction uh, in this process. So. Something that we're definitely going to have to stay on top of. Yeah, and and we we also know um, that there's going to be uh, a, a, another race for governor this next uh, election cycle. I think most of the people who uh, have thrown their hat in the ring to be candidates for governor, you know, support legalization. But I think it's important uh, in this case and in, 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 in on a lot of different uh, issues that when we're um, when we're talking about this next governor's race to make sure we get people on the record and say, you know, these are this is the way I would do it. This is my idea of how I would implement. This is the 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 you know the the the, the board that I would put in place to to regulate and to run this uh, to run this market. This is what it's going to look like. Uh, so I'm talking about Bethany Hall Long. I'm talking about Matt Meyer. I mean, I know they were vocal uh, supporters of this. Um, but you know, one of those is very likely going to be the next governor, and uh, you know we should make sure that they're on record saying that they're going to look out for the types of they'll they'll be interested in implementing this and continuing the implementation of this uh, in the way that we would like to see it implemented. Absolutely, and you know the other part of it is that the Senate confirms the. Um, recommendations that Governor Carney sets forth for the commissioner and the appeals commission, um, you know, so calling on the Senate as well, you know, to make sure that we have a diverse set of regulators that understand the pre-existing market, uh, as well as the needs of consumers and comes with it with the insight to create a competitive, you know, and fair industry, rather than coming to this from an overly obstructive role, um, like what we've seen with medical cannabis here in the state of Delaware. Yeah, because I think that's 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 one of the concerns that that I think people have is that the the medical part of it was very clumsy and did not work that well. I think, as you said, it was more like they didn't really want to do it anyway. And so it wasn't the greatest sort of system that was in place. But I, I think what you said is very important because, you know, we do have a supermajority in the Senate of at least, you know, marginally liberal uh, senators, state senators. And, and so, you know, that's where we're going to have to, you know, press the button and say, look, we, you're, you're sort of like an oversight of how this is going to run. So let, don't, you know, don't get bowled over by the Delaware way. Let's, let's make sure that we continue to make the progress that we've worked for, you know, the, over a decade. Yeah. 
and, and, and do this. Right. Absolutely. I just want to mention, because we've gotten a lot of questions on, um, you know, why can't consumers go to these medical cannabis dispensaries? And I just wanted to mention, you know, this is a basic supply and demand issue, um, you know, and you just mentioned the medical cannabis um, implementation. And that's a perfect example of how implementation done under administration that doesn't support the goal of or the intent of the legislation obstructs obstructs it because we actually had Governor Markell at the time, um, you know, unilaterally pause the 2011 Medical Marijuana Act. Um, and although that program began taking money from patients to issue cards, um, and of course that provided them protection, um, the governor stopped any um, uh, licensing process for the dispensary. So there was years where patients had no safe access to medical cannabis whatsoever. Um, and in fact, that law still hasn't been um, technically fully implemented to the letter of the law, which called for six separate providers by 2014. And um, all those six providers were now licensed uh, just as of recent in 2020. Um, that sixth provider isn't operational yet. We only have five operational providers, which brings us to the point of why um, you know, adult use consumers, which according to Substance Abuse Mental Health Service Administration reports, is somewhere between 150,000 and 190,000 Delaware adults who have admitted that they're consumers, they consume cannabis. And those are just the ones who admit it. Um, so uh, with five providers providing the medicine for debilitating uh, illnesses for patients that need this as a medicine, um, you know, allowing it to go from 20,000 patients to 150 to 190,000 patients would simply tax that system. Um, it would deplete supply. Um, it would also increase prices because right now, um, like I said, medical patients are paying some of the highest prices in the entire country between $300 and $400 an ounce. Um, so, you know, when you have an increase in demand, then these five providers who are actually price fixing and price gouging, um, and we've kind of called them out on that um, in the last few years, um, you know, would increase the prices because of the demand influx. Um, and it would completely deplete the supply. It would also, um, you know, undermine the social equity and the small business provisions that were contained in HB2 um, by giving these businesses special privileges to allow them to um, begin sales before any other uh, new business is licensed. Um, so uh, I just want to say, you know, like, ask everyone to please be patient. Um, you know, this is a process and, you know, we will get legal sales and safe access, but um, we can't do that by jeopardizing the safe access for medical cannabis patients who are suffering from severe debilitating illnesses. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I do want to throw this marker out there. I'm told, I, I don't know why I would know this, other people have told me that you can get an ounce of, of can, dry cannabis uh, for 150 to $175 if you know the right people. This is what I'm told. I don't know this. You know, I, I wouldn't know this. But uh, that's what I think, you know. So, again, I, I, I do think, like, it has to ha it has, there has to be some sort of sensible marketplace for this, um, for, for it to work. I'm, I'm, on one hand, I'm glad that there is going to be some sort of Senate um, confirmation or oversight on how this 
how the executive branch is going to set this up. But I want to ask you one last question before I let you go, uh, because uh, I think there's been sort of a reactionary backlash to this. And that is another bill that's been introduced in the Delaware General Assembly to actually um, increase the severity of charges and penalty for just general drug dealing um, to make even a even a drug deal that has no weapon or no menacing or no other sort of uh, violence in any way a violent offense just for the simple fact of it being, uh, you know, a a drug deal. And again, I think this is uh, sort of trying to trying to balance the other end of the ledger uh, for sort of reactionary conservative people. Um, but if you look at if you look at if, if the people who have signed off on this end of it, we see some of our friends in the Senate who are going to be crucial in the setup of the cannabis end on the other side. So uh, you know, I, I wonder what your thought is about that. And and whether or not this is something that you've you've sort of given some thought to as as well, I, I'm I'm sure you're aware of it. I I just didn't know if you had a personal opinion about it. Yes, I actually do, and I'm very glad that you brought it up. We're actually opposing Senate Bill 100, which is a, I believe the bill that you're referencing, right. um, which makes um, tier three possession and sales um, a violent felony. And you know, just to kind of like you know um, put it in perspective. It's already a felony, um, but this basically, like you said, increases the penalty to a violent felony. Um, and I mean, the impact of this, um, you know, is threefold. Where obviously um, it would increase mandatory minimums um, and uh, penalties for subsequent offenses, as well as hinders a person's ability to have these charges pardon or expunge later down the road. Um, you know, this bill specifically targets more than just cannabis, but there's been no exceptions made for cannabis. I think it's a really good point. We oppose it wholeheartedly, um, but also I want to point out that there's been no exceptions made for cannabis. Um, and we're talking about the same exact conduct that these dispensaries are participating in. And actually, you know, I'll, I'll, even people that are charged with tier three possession often have less cannabis than what the dispensaries possess. And of course, the dispensaries are also selling. So I think that it's a really good parallel to make because, um, you know, possessing large amounts or selling cannabis is not an inherently violent act. Um, you know, and I just think that, um, you know, it rolls back the important reforms and progress that's been made over the last few years of trying to end the drug war. And we should be repealing uh, and defelonizing these offenses, uh, not increasing the penalties, and of course, not making it a violent felony. There's already offenses if there's violence involved, if there's firearms involved, if there all these different elements are involved. There's already charges and laws in the book books that penalize that conduct. But to just say that you know a large possession amount or selling cannabis is inherently violent is just um, untrue, it's unjust, and it's harmful uh, to our community because just like we've seen with the enforcement of cannabis prohibition, um, we also see people overcharged, um, you know, and the disproportionate impacts that these policies have, um, especially on black and brown communities. 
Zoe, I am so happy to be able to talk to you after this. Uh, I just, again, wanted to congratulate you, and not just you personally, but the whole organization and and everything that um, you all have built and, and sustained for this period of time. Um, people, I think, you mentioned earlier, you know, people don't know what the Delaware Way is. They hear of it, and it's sort of like this concept. But going up against it for, you know, a decade and then coming out on the other side with, you know, a tangible victory and a way ahead to sort of, you know, get some justice and equity changes. And I'm just, uh, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm thrilled with it, and I, I'm happy to be able to talk to you and, and congratulate you on this victory. Oh, thank you so much, and thank you for your years of support. And you know, it's been, like I said, such a huge collaborative effort of so many people and organizations, and of course, the lawmakers that have the courage to fight forward despite all the op obstacles and hurdles that we face. So thank you so much for having me on once again and for your years of support. Cool. Thank you very much. Everyone, we're back. Um, I'm so happy that uh, we were able to speak with Zoe and, and, and talk about that a little bit and give her the chance to do a, a victory lap. Um, but I also want to talk about sort of the reaction to this, because I, I look at it as a reaction. A um, couple days ago, Michael sent me a, a link to a bill that I had heard about, I guess, the week before uh, from Carl. Uh, about now that now that uh, cannabis legalization um, is on the books, we have to make other drugs uh, worse. We have to make the crime more criminal. Um, so we got to step up to, to I guess balance out the the balance sheet. Uh, we have to step up the war on drugs on one side of the ledger if we're going to let people smoke cannabis on the other side of the ledger. Um, should we talk about what's in that bill first and what it does? Does anybody have like a, a quick rundown of? Of the, the it's a Spiros uh, sponsored bill, is that right? That's right. So, is it's basically saying that just possession of 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 quantities of other drugs now is going to be looked at as a violent crime, uh, even without any of the other prerequisites that currently exist um, that would put that felony up into a, a higher category. Is that a good way to explain it? Yes. Yeah. Possession and or like dealing. Drug dealing. What the, what I would paraphrase is drug dealing. Okay. Right. So and yeah, the summary also paraphrases as drug dealing. Yeah. Okay. Good. Now, what what are the so how, how that, that would step up like the class of felony and then of course the punishment that would be the, the to be assigned is that is that the story? There's some confusion right now in like the current sentencing guidelines. Uh, this which, this crime would otherwise be what's I think called like a nonviolent class B felony. Throughout the sentencing, sentencing guidelines, these particular crimes we're talking about, too, are also oddly referred to as violent Class B felonies, but that seems to be the gist of this bill. Let's make let's shoehorn in a violent weapon into this situation involving a Tier 3 quantity of drugs and call it a violent felony, which is which is which has impact on your bail uh, and your sentencing, ultimately. Yeah, and then the argument that the sponsors are making here because both SB 100 and SB 101, both, both deals fentanyl, um, are, are being pushed by our good friend uh, and friend of the podcast, uh, Senator Brian Townsend, but are sponsored by two different other senators, because this happens a lot in the Senate and the House, where leadership gives somebody a bill and says, hey, run this bill. Um, but basically, the argument for this particular bill is, oh, 
we made some sort of like sentencing restructuring. I forget when it was, but uh, we accidentally made this not a violent felony, and it really should be a violent felony. So we're going to make it a violent felony again. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm very skeptical of all of this, um, just for the fact that uh, you know the war on drugs didn't work. So you know, you know thinking about um, enforcing something or making something you know a, a, you know a higher class felony, trying to get people um, more uh, more bail. Uh, more prison time, harder probation, just doesn't work. Um, so I, I'd like, Michael, you to speak on it a little bit and, and give your thoughts, um, because I know you were more than anybody um, here sort of on the ground and dealing with uh, dealing with the issue with some of the people that come through um, the studio and some of the people that you work with. Um, so what, what was your initial thought when you saw this? Well, my initial thought was that uh, these folks obviously are not following my Instagram stories, which I was really disappointed by. I, um, I also uh, realized that I may be living in a harm reduction a drug policy alliance bubble uh, because the news of this really shocked me. It really, uh, it really like punched me in the gut. You know, we're, we're out here responding to a drug supply that is so thoroughly contaminated and there is no amount of rest, arrests that are going to clean up our drug supply. We're going to continue to see people die. Uh, in addition to seeing, uh, you know, records num- record number of overdose deaths, uh, the drug supply also now is uh, is uh, laced with uh, xylazine, uh, an animal sedative uh, that apparently gives longer legs to the fentanyl. And what we're seeing on the streets is a lot of uh, soft tissue damage uh, connected to the xylazine, uh, skin wounds that simply will not heal. Um, you know, again, um, you know, proposing SB 100, it's, you know, this is very consistent with decades of drug policies based on the assumption that people who sell or distribute drugs are somehow responsible for, for causing drug use. and. Um, you know, we really need a, a public health response to drug use. Uh, I understand that people want to do something about fentanyl. We definitely need to do something about fentanyl. Uh, but I'm just looking at the historical record. You know, prohibition is is largely responsible for the potency of these drugs, making them, you know, a thousand times more dangerous. And we've really got to unpack the logic around the increasing to, like, the tier three, talking about the potency of fentanyl. Uh, I think a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of conversation around the potency of fentanyl, I feel like is drenched in a lot of propaganda, also drenched in a lot of conspiracy theory. You know, my, my father last year in recovering from a back surgery had a, a fentanyl pump installed into his back. You know, it's a, it's not the drug itself. It's, it's how these drugs are manufactured, how they're, um, how they're produced and the contaminants in the supply is what's increasing the uh, the violence of of the drug. And so, um, I don't know. I uh, you know this morning I'm trying to make the rounds. I uh, I have a commentary that's coming out in uh, next month's uh, edition of the Journal of Public Health, and I've uh, sent uh, some key legislators some links uh, on the Drug po- uh, Policy Alliance website that has done a really great job. Um, on this particular issue, and uh, it should be a place where uh, a lot of our advocates start directing a lot of people towards. Uh, if we want good information about about drugs, we we first got to get honest about it, 
and really talk about um, what's going on. And I, I really feel like this is, you know, I'm not surprised that DOJ would kind of double down on a tool like this. That's, that's what they know. And uh, we really have to, we have to educate folks and we have to ask, you know, how, how is this approach kept anyone safer? And how is this approach going to keep people from overdosing here in, in you know, next fiscal year and beyond? You know, uh, on Thursday, June 1st, there's an art exhibition coming to the Delaware Art Museum of portraits of, of those that we've lost to overdose. And um, SB 100 and SB 101 are not going to save any more lives. Uh, it's going to create more harm. And uh, hopefully we can use this as an opportunity to educate some, some of our friends. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I mean, I've had some side conversations with, you know, people in the AG's office in the last couple of months. Um, and, yeah, they, they just do whatever they're handed to do. Um, what we really need to do is explain in very in very stark terms that this, this kind of approach doesn't work. Uh, it hasn't worked. It won't work. And what it will do is actually increase um increase the pain and suffering uh of of community of marginalized communities of communities that don't get the right health care or housing or anything like that so yeah i mean i, I think there's going to be there's going to be a need for a huge push to 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 sort of make this case uh because this is this is a very this is a very bad direction which again i guess i was kind of like you michael i was just surprised um, not that it happened now because of the weed thing. I think it is a balancing act. I think that's why they're pushing it. Um, but just after all of this time and all of these jokes about the failure of the war on drugs and how, you know, it really, you know, just it, it just made the drugs uh, you know, stronger. Sometimes it made the drugs more contaminated, uh, it, it exacerbated other problems. We're already trying to sort of dial back all of the criminal justice issues that we and the problems that we created over the last 15, 20 years. And so I, I don't see how going back to this, going, going back to this idea is going to do anybody any good. Yeah. I'm always, I'm always quick to remind people that the, the, the first widely prescribed antidepressant in this country was actually, uh, you know, crystal meth. And, um, you know, what we, what we know of drugs and what we teach about drugs is, uh, uh, it just, it, I feel like it's criminal. You know, we really have to open people up to uh, what's really going on uh, around the use. You know, when when people are using crystal meth, it's it's very obviously that there's something about this that's that's working. That's a, an adaptive behavior, uh, however maladaptive it is. But most of the dangers are wrapped up in its illegality, and uh, the very same for opioids. You know, it's that we have people who. You know, describe opioids. Myself, I'm in recovery from opioids. I consider myself a survivor of the pre-fentanyl era, era of the crisis. Um, you know, opioids work for physical, emotional, and spiritual pain. Um, makes you feel like you've you've been hugged by a loved one. And where, are we, when are we going to get curious as to why people are are self-medicating like this? Where are we going to get curious about? Uh, you know, the, the structural violence that is, you know, pushing people to trying to cope uh, using a drug that is infinitely dangerous uh, in a supply that, you know, we've seen countless people, you know, dying amongst us uh, in this period of kind of housing crisis, opioid crisis, and COVID crisis. 
uh, we've just seen so much death and so much loss. And um, at some point in time, it's, you know, I'd like to think that we would, we would wake up and try, uh, you know, try a slightly different approach. But, you know, here we are going back to uh, the same carceral playbook. And, um, you know, I'm really, I'm really hopeful that this can be a moment that we really bring our friends in, uh, our friends in Dover, and really educate them about our experience. And I know a lot of us who are out here in the field, we've just been so beat up from the past three years. You know, I've, I've done four Narcan reversals in my 12 years here at the Creative Vision Factory. Three of them took place in one fiscal year alone. Um, there's just so much pain and suffering out here. And, uh, you know, we need to start redirecting these resources to housing. We need to be supporting housing first initiatives. We need to, uh, I'm starting right now, I'm building a coalition with some disaffected members of attack addictions, trying to advocate for, you know, more housing first and overdose prevention centers. And those conversations initially have really uh, been heartwarming. You know, initially as a, you know, as somebody with lived experience, um, I've been very, you know, skeptical of parent-led initiatives and parent-led groups. And um, I've really, um, I really love the the kind of evolution that my friends in, in attack addictions are going through, and I think together we can we can form a larger coalition that starts to really move the needle in making this a, a you know a public health issue and uh, getting it outside of the, the criminal legal systems discriminatory response to, to the drug trade. This is um, we have all the evidence in the world that. Um, you know, this is not going to save uh, Delawareans' lives, um, and it's going to get people um, going to have blowback. You know, there's just the harm of being a criminal justice involved, and and simply it's just ineffective. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've come across conversations, and you 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 mentioned it right at the get go. We have institutions in place to do a particular thing, and whether they're effective or not. Um, it's very difficult to bring into the discourse this idea that, like, yeah, though we don't want to use those institutions. They're bad, actually. We want to try to decrease the amount of work they do and come up with uh, another set of things that might work better. But then you're having a discussion about um, an actual institutional critique of something, and it makes it, it makes the argument fraught on all kinds of ways. And so I, I hope people start understanding that we have to get out of this idea like how are we going to leverage the institutions we have well a lot of the institutions we have are not good or they're being used for things that they shouldn't be used for and you know as as michael pointed out um it's actually just going to create more pain it's not going to save anyone's life um we know that from you know decades of experience um, and so it's it's something that I hope everybody, uh, you know, brushes up on and is able to comment on in public, talk to your legislators and just let them know that this is not the way to go at all. Yeah, it, it reminds me of a conversation I had some years back uh, with Matt Meyer, uh, you know, when I told him, it's like, look, everybody sees, um, you know, legalization for marijuana on the horizon. But, you know, I'm here to tell you that we need to decriminalize all drugs. And um, and then, uh, you know, he was shocked. He was like, you know, even meth and heroin. I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, even meth and heroin. You know, if we if we were to take a group of, you know, do a study and and uh, compare the the you know the health outcomes of people who are, if we could put people in the in a vacuum and have them only use heroin and compare them to a group of people who are only using alcohol, 
and compare them to a group who are only smoking cigarettes, you know, in, in 10 years, uh, the, the heroin users would actually be the healthier group. You know, it's, it's not the drug, it's the conditions of which uh, the illegality of these drugs put us in, uh, the dangerous, uh, you know, dangerous impacts on the, on the contamination of the supply. So we'll see. Um, you know, it's a big, a big win for Zoe, a big win for uh, marijuana, and uh, we got to keep on moving forward and, uh, you know, you know, loop all the stuff in. You know, there, there's resources there that we could build a new world out of. Um, and it starts with the decriminalization of drugs. Yeah, for sure. Well, Michael, thank you. We're, we'll, we'll let you go. Um, we're going to, we're going to shit talk a little bit, probably about like school board elections and stuff, but you have actually work to do. So <laughs> I, I appreciate you. I, and thank you guys. Yeah. I appreciate you dialing in much appreciated. Thanks, Michael. Yeah. I, I really hope, um, cause this is the kind of stuff. This is kind of the stuff, too, that I feel like um, flies under the radar. Like, you get the legal thing, so now they can just, like, ah, this is an easy, you know, everybody's on it. You know, you have the you have sort of the big, uh, the Townsends and the Spiroses of the world. Yeah, it's frustrating to see it bipartisan. So, like, just as an example, yesterday, I forget if it was on the floor in committee, there's, like, a good uh, clean needle exchange bill. Basically, it's, like, I guess it'll be needs-based now from DHSS. Uh, and there's, like, one sort of, you know, Rube, like, downstate Republican legislator who's like, this is going to encourage drug use. This is going to incentivize drug use. Like, that's just such, like, that is a, a decades-old mentality. But, like, this sort of, like, let's further criminalize and make violent crimes out of possession, it's like the same mentality out of our, you know, true blue uh, Delaware Dems. Uh, so that's a little depressing. But I think Michael has, like, solid optimism. Like, these p folks are out at like the attack addiction 5k like they should just keep their ears open to people who are who know what the suffering is like and like what recovery is like um so i appreciate that i was feeling pretty despondent about this but michael cheered me up a little bit yeah at least uh, the only thing i can say and i've said it to all you guys McCurson, bill michael um you know there was a time when there w there weren't advocates and activists and community organizers and people working you know, in the street like Michael does or, um, you know, in, in, in the neighborhoods and, and doing like issue campaigns and getting people sort of getting people educated just that this is happening. Like not even look, you know, nobody, everybody hates that idea. Like call your legislatures. I get that. Like, but at, le at least if you're educated about it and you can talk to your community and talk to your friends and it becomes a thing like, hey, why are we doing this? It doesn't work. Um, you know, I, I'm, that's the only thing that gives me some optimism is that there are people out there doing the work and, and, and having this conversation because, you know, when there wasn't, it, we just get steamrolled, you know, and that's how we wind up in the, so a lot of the criminal justice things that we're trying to unwind, that's how, that's how they happened in the first place. Cause no one was there to be like, ah, this doesn't seem right. Um, but now at least that there's, there's some people out there educating and doing that kind of work. So that's exciting. But yeah, still, still call uh, Brian Townsend and Spiros and tell them they're fucking up. Feel free. How do you guys think that, like, say, 16 months from now, like, what is legal weed going to look like in Delaware? Like, from an infrastructure point What's of view? What's the weed going to look like? Yeah, because this is tangentially related. Yeah, I mean, do you have an opinion about this? Like, what do you think, like, either of you? Because I don't know. I'm I'm sort of like, as the resident sort of heavy stoner for my whole life, you know, I... I Savvy stoner. Savvy. Shout out to Chancery Daily. It's not a chance. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, I've I've smoked, you know, in Amsterdam uh, and in you know in in Europe where it was fine, and also in Seattle and in Denver and those places in the United States. And it's different, you know. It's not as much of a laid back sort of thing, but it's okay in some places. But I just feel like because of the way Delaware is, it's going to be horrible. I think it's going to the same thing as any other trend, how it hits Delaware 12 to 15 years later. So I think in another five years, um, the like bootleg weed cartridges for vaping are going to be really popular. Um, And... I don't know. We're going to like discover gravity bongs or something in, in like two years. Um, Days and yeah. Confused will be playing at theater. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, my thing is like I, I like the idea of like where to go get it and how it's and how it um, sort of sort of meshes into the into the culture. Like you can go to a ball game and have a couple beers with your friends or you can sit out and have split a, a couple bottles of wine with your partner out on a porch somewhere. But when you go buy weed in the United States, you know, you have to go into like a locked vape room, you know, and, you know, to go to here and you know, scan this and it has to say that. And you can't, you know, now, again, people can do it in public. I do it in public, but no one's going to bother me. <clears throat> but like, is there going to be and I know this is happening in New York now, you know, a lot of reactionaries are like, it smells like weed everywhere now. Well, you know, it smelled like cigarettes everywhere for a f- hundred years. It's not, but and and it's not indoors because you can't, you know, you can't smoke indoors anywhere, anything. So, yeah, I I just feel like it's going to be, it's it's, I don't think it's going to change very much. I mean, you might be able to go and get, you know, an ounce of weed if that's what you want at at a store. Um, but I think this, you know, the same people are going to smoke weed in the same way that they're smoking it. I don't think it's going to change the sort of the cultural aspect of it. I think the places that you're going to go to get it are going to be boring, antiseptic. Um, you know, like Apple run store, by cops. like Apple store, yeah, yeah. Run, Apple stores for weed run by cops because they had the connections to get the license. You know, and then the, you know, the yeah, that's it. Uh, I mean, I I I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that it becomes sort of like a laid back, you know, sort of thing that people enjoy, um, the way I enjoy it with my friends every day. Um, but I, uh, but I'm also a lifelong Delawarean, and I know we don't do that kind of stuff. You know, yeah, like, it's not how we roll. Right. Well, it's like the closest analog, I think, is like how the liquor distributors here are so consolidated. And I think there's maybe there's technically like six or seven, but, you know, there's a few big ones. So I just yeah, I do wonder, like, what is the application process for licenses going to be like? What are the zoning like considerations going to be like this dovetails into something else I think you want to talk about, which is like, can you imagine if a dispensary wanted to open up uh, right here in the Highlands uh, next to Southeast Kitchen or something or like, you know, that one corner store that's sometimes a real estate agent office and then it's like a boutique and then it's a real estate office again. Well, it was, it was like, a, it was like an antique, like a junk store yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Deja vu. Deja vu. Yeah. yeah. That'd be a great spot for one. But I guarantee you then, I mean, if a new restaurant here tries to apply for a liquor license, it's like, all right, hell is breaking loose. So I yeah, just wonder... you're probably going to have to go to like, and again, this is what's cool in some places and it, and it works. It, it works in Denver a little bit in Seattle a little bit. Um, like it's cool when you're out at, you know, in a, in a cool part of the city that you can pop in a place, get a couple joints and go to the park. But but what they're, what they're going to happen is you're like, oh, you have to go to the new, uh, to the warehouse out in some industri- industrial right. you know, plaza to, to like, you know, show your ID and get your get your eyeball scanned, 
you know, to, 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 you know, to buy a, 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 you know, a quarter ounce of weed. And you're like, well, this is fucking stupid, you know, because we, we make it into a, we make it into one of the institutions that we already have. It has to be institutionalized in some fashion. It has to be under the Bardea umbrella. Yes, it's a b- part of the. It's a it's a subsidiary of Bardea. Bardea Hydro. Uh, so are we gonna are we gonna get into the new the new Bardea? Or, or let's do this first before we before we start doing that. I, I do want to talk about um, some of these like school board elections and some of the stories that are that are uh, around that because I you know Douglas came in. We talked about it. Um, I. Uh, you know, I know Jose. I'm in red clay, so I'm you know Jose Matthews guy, of course. Um, but there are some ancillary characters um, that are involved in these in these races that I don't know a lot about, um, but I think they can be very funny. Um, <laughs> there's an idea within the discourse that like all of these uh, reactionary weirdos are going to try to get on the school boards. You know, we see videos on YouTube of like some school board in Colorado or Texas or somewhere that's got some got a bunch of goofballs on it, like reactionary weirdos and freaks. And I think that there's a fear that that would happen here, which it's not totally unfounded. Um, however, it doesn't hasn't seemed to materialize, and it actually seems to that that push by certain cohorts of the right seems to have fizzled out a little bit to me. And maybe I'm just in a bubble. Maybe I don't understand it enough. And so I don't think that that aspect is is that um, that pointed in these races. Um, I also, once again, you know, everybody's like, get into these races. They, they come down to like 900 people voting. You know, it's like 450 to 410, which I guess is important if you know, because it's a it's a very small, uh, obviously, winning percentage, but. Yeah, it's it's hard it's hard to get real real pumped for them, but I know there's some good stories out there. Yeah, yeah, there's some there's some exciting candidates. Um, like, yeah, well, so my, I think the one I've been following, the closest, the longest, has been Christine Gilbert. I saw that she had filed and was curious. Was I think did like a Facebook search to see if I could find her campaign page. Um, at that point, she did not have a campaign Facebook page, but a lot of her stuff on Facebook on her own account was public. Like you didn't have to be friends with her to see it. So I feel a little weird about kind of cataloging that stuff here. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. However, I will say. Uh, she's grown so much. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Did you, so, yeah so she's you creating knew, an empire. So, you knew, empire. so is it fair to say you knew about this figure yeah. before this? So this is like a, a sort of a, a person you're tracking online as like a commentator. Uh, who? No, I I didn't know about her until she filed a run. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So you, this was a this is a new this was a new person yeah. in, the, in the scene. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I I don't want to like it, she's got some truly wild shit on her Facebook. Um, I feel I don't want to go into the the stuff on her private page though, even though it is technically public. But like, clearly at, at first glance, you're like, okay, this she is all in for Trump. She is saying things that like contradict each other about her own background like there's no way this stuff can be true so she's you can't be 100 percent italian and 100 percent neanderthal no she also claims to be descended from the royal family she says she's not only british which but ro- descended oh, from the royal which... family yeah uh mesopotamian from the kraut she's a crowd yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the british royal um, family's german thank yeah. you yeah <laughs> yeah descended from like the caucasus region like she's like true caucasian 
It just yeah, oh, the old true of, Caucasian yeah, move. A lot of very like stuff that you don't tend to see in Delaware. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. Um, she was so mad about Christopher Columbus and was like, yeah, you don't see any um, Native American pizza parlors or whatever. And it's like, I'll tell you what, as, yeah, a, as, a, as, okay. an, as an American of Italian descent, that that one of the things that uh, embarrasses me the most is that Christopher Columbus thing. I always engage <laughs> yeah. with people when they do that. I was like, you know, yeah. just just so you know, my grandmother grew up like three blocks from where that statue is. So I think I'm fair to say, throw it in the fucking yeah. river. Yeah. So like, she's it clearly is. Yeah. Just this very like, she's kind of the Marjorie Taylor Green of the school board races, and um, she's also so. Did she on get her into the actual... school board? Like, is it a vax sort of mask? thing that she's getting on the school board or is it no like... it's anti-woke stuff oh so no crt yeah it's too woke yeah exactly and i think her thing is like indoct not in or what is it education not indoctrination um so is that her, like slogan anything. by the way no, when you hear people anything. say that you can you however know that they don't know what so she is like launching um a war against just regular christina school board voters so she she has since made a campaign facebook page um, and folks now, should check Doug, it out. Is this Doug's yes. Uh, opponent? Yes. yes. Okay. So she's like, um, one of my friends pointed out that Christine is really engaging in stand behavior. If your listeners are familiar with uh, like the really toxic culture around standing celebrities or like the K-High, for example, was famous for someone would say something negative about Kamala and then, you know a K-High member would like take a photo outside their house and dox them. And it's like, whoa, how did you find that? Like, that's really creepy. And this is the stuff Christina's doing. Like she is just, I saw her. So she had made a post on her campaign page and then people were like fighting in the replies with her. And she went and found like a tweet that someone had. So she connected someone's Facebook account to their Twitter account. She found their Twitter account. She looked at their faves. She screenshotted from their faves and then posted it in the reply to her own Facebook account, I think. It was like, it, there were so many steps and she had to go so deep, all just to bully one of her prospective voters. And I was like, damn, you don't see this in Delaware every day. Like, Counterpoint, this is... I gotta, this is like 100% want. This is how we uncovered uh, Sarah Benedict do good. That's true, but we weren't elected officials. Oh, God, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just fans. Yeah, it's like, I'm only allowed to do that. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what right. you're I'm doing there, Christian. I'm not trying to get votes. I'm trying to yeah. get patrons. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, she, she's she's really something. I, the one thing I do want to say about Christine is, um, yeah, and it's gotten very ugly. I will say there's been a lot of back and forth between um, Christine and Doug and... Yeah, they're just they're, they like Christine keeps like screenshotting things and from like 2019 or whatever that like Doug or Doug's wife or someone has said or like uh, she's also fighting a lot with like Jose Matthews, um, and I, yeah, it's like and this it's one. Just, she she just, like, what was it? What was this particular? Do you remember? Like, is it? It's just like woke stuff. It's, it's like it's woke stuff. Are you, yeah, you got, you're gonna bring like a drag show to the elementary school or something. That's what it's. Yeah, I don't she's think offer. Yeah, off it's, it's kind of yeah. stuff like that. But however, Christine actually has a lot of plans of her own Let's for what him. she's gonna do. Yeah, so she's a really exciting thought leader. I'll say, um, who has a, a few days ago posted. On Facebook, just this is on her, her public campaign page. Um, just a few of my plans to improve education at CSD. Um, it's a really long list, so 
Let me just kick it off with a few of my favorites. Uh, she's going to create a national honor society. Uh, Isn't there already a national honor society? Mm. How, how would you know that? How are I? you in schools? Yeah. You don't have the experience <laughs> like she out. does. Hear her yeah. Out. Yeah. Hear her okay. okay. Another thing. AP credits. We're going to try it out. I like where her. Now I, like I know her, that there's AP credits. No, you, you, you don't know not, that. You, do you have kids in the schools? You don't get the yeah. comment. Also, band and choral competitions. Has anyone ever thought of this before? No. Do band and choral competitions? You go to Bush Gardens, Williamsburg. Yeah. Do a choral competition? Yeah. I, I the, love it. I know, I know the, the AI DuPont uh, high school marching band has never been in the Rose Bowl parade. <laughs> never. That's right. Never yeah. done it. She's going to start guest lectures from community experts. Hey, call me up. I'll, yeah. I'll guest lecture. Yeah. College tours, night of the arts, internships, uh, Latin, just says Latin. This just, is my my personal just favorite. Latin? Yeah, just Latin. Latin. That's, my, see, that's a that throwing that in there because that's like one of those like like the Western Civ like throwback Catholic <laughs> movies. Yeah, that's a that's that's a that's a dog whistle. Yeah. Okay. This next one is my favorite that she's gonna bring. Um, wax museum at Halloween. Incredible. God what bless. That? Like, ju- like wax figures, like Madame Tussauds. Wax museum. Yeah, wax museum. museum. No, no, just the museum. Yeah. Was there one of those in Dover when we were at the courthouse? <laughs> or was that like there was like a mandolin factory? I'm, there was some cool. It, it, was, like a, it was a. It was It was like uh, phonographs. Or yeah, phonographs. Phonographs. Right. Yeah, All right, yeah. I, we'll put that on the list too. Yeah. That sounds educational. Yeah. Um, I'm also. I'm proposing that um, we get our own wax museum. Maybe we do it year round though, instead of just at Halloween, because you know. Yeah. Why we're not cheap. Halloween? Yeah. Exactly. Do the figures have anything to do with Halloween? Is it like, oh, it's it's Nesferatu, wax Listen, Nesferatu. this is just a few of her plans. Okay. So, you know, I'm sure she's leaving out some details, but um, what just if it's, give, her, give her time. What if it's wax cylinders, like the pre-phonograph <laughs> records, but they're playing yeah. Monster Mash yeah. because it's Halloween? Yeah, that it's could be good. That's actually a very good idea. I might yeah. go to um, Oh, also, have, she's, she's got another really good idea that schools don't do. Um, what do y'all think about scholastic book fairs? Could that catch on in schools? I think that'd be huge. If books in schools? Yeah. Wait a minute. You're yeah. going to put books in the, the scholastic schools? The scholastic book fair? Well, that sounds crazy. I mean, it sounds crazy. Definitely never bought three Calvin and Hobbes books in a school book fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, try to show the Judy Bloom girls yeah. back in 1998 that uh, <laughs> scholastic book fairs aren't a thing. Look. I want my Hardy Boys, and I want it now. <laughs> yeah. Band books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, God, they're so I, I can't read all. So of this them. person is. I mean, like this person 30. is a. This person is a certified lunatic. I mean, yeah. I think some some other Huge important rank. ones, like very interesting ideas that she also mentions. Yeah. Uh, classrooms outfitted with beanbag chairs, carpet, board <laughs> games, sand table, sand tables. Yeah. And other centers for learning manipulatives. Mm-hmm. Um, a community mentoring program. This is a new yeah. thing. Class pets. Uh, class pets. No, never, uh, there's never been dances. a hamster. Never been a hamster. <laughs> school school dances. dances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, well, you'd think somebody who's like this thinking one, about too woke this would get away from the This because this goes outside the building. Yeah. She wants to do field trips. Yeah. Can you imagine field trips? How would that work? I mean, and people think get, that like, we're making this up so. as a joke, like that we are... <laughs> Like not reading actually no. from a Facebook post, but I'm going to link the Facebook post <laughs> yeah. where she says all these things. Um, yeah, some of the field trip ideas: roller skating, movies, zoo. Zoo. <laughs> zoo. Also, no one's ever gone to the zoo, but there's school class before. Our governor's public office. UD a cor- ice creamery. <laughs> yeah, pizza Ooh. shop spelled 
um, S H O P P E. I love the that shoppy. She, she did the old spelling of shoppy. Well, that's she had the Latin. She's yeah. the shoppy. Yeah. Yeah. The British yeah. royal version. Yeah, right. the, exactly. She, she uses a Z. Not it's not a Z. It's an S. So just, you know. Yeah, and then oh, th- this one also has a lot of comments. So I'm assuming that if you go through, yeah, like she just spends all day fighting with people on her Facebook comments and like screenshotting their bios on Facebook and then reposting them and being like typical liberal Democrat concerned with indoctrinating our youth, like (laughs) hashtag predator or whatever. Hmm. Well, what's very funny about this and uh, from like a cursory look at her campaign, you can tell that her children have all gone to Delaware private schools. They have. And as a, as a Delaware private school kid myself, this laundry list that she's proposed, and I would Mm -hmm. add one more, which is like, yeah, just everyone should be, Everyone should go to Australia, like semester abroad. <laughs> Let's just do three weeks in Australia. Yeah, sure. Um, these are all things that exist at Delaware's private schools for the most part. And I think that that's, there's yeah. something very cynical about her being like, this is how I'm going to improve Christina, is basically, we're going to send everyone to Sanford. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're going to make it more like Tattnall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see if that works. I mean, that's quite the pitch. Uh, yeah. But also, yeah. as a Delaware, also lower taxes and do that at the same time. At the Delaware public school kid because uh, I went to Wilson Elementary and then I went to Cab which is not it's a magnet school but it's a public school I think for those who did not go to Delaware public schools these things all exist in <laughs> Delaware public schools right. uh, there's a few things that like are going a little like I, th- I think some schools have them like around like internships in like various trades uh, like longer field tra- there's some things like okay maybe not all public schools have these but like 90% of the stuff is things that public schools already do and she's so detached that like oh clearly yes. none of these things are happening so i need to introduce them like it's yeah. it gives a really good insight into like how she thinks oh and then my favorite she goes a little bit woke because there is just in the middle randomly native american week <laughs> yes uh, yeah. complicated relationship with the native americans yeah yes yeah. she does yes uh, is there something else going on with the native um, americans well you know they that you don't see Native American pizza parlors, but oh, this is um, the Columbus thing, yeah. right? 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 Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, you don't. You don't. You don't see a lot of a Native American stuff. I wonder why. Yeah. Well, that that, that actually. Well, you, where did it go? You you joke about that, but like she literally did ask that. Um, in all earnestness, she asked, "Why is that?" In you know what, wherever her well, there's a, here's the good, here's the good news. Yeah, if she didn't. I don't know. Yeah, can you what explain forum, what happened? To I don't know if there is a the Native forum. American culture. Yes, actually, there's a very good answer for this. We, hmm. the United States, did a genocide yeah. against all of them, and we killed them all. That sounds like leftist indoctrination, though. I uh, maybe I might. It could be potentially yeah. leftist indoctrination. See, you know, if if she were on the school board when you were in school, you wouldn't be thinking like this. Yeah. You'd be speaking Latin. You would um, you have fun. Shop, yeah, shoppies. you'd have fond memories of the wax museum that you attended. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you would you would uh, respect your Italian heritage a little more. But yeah, her whole platform is basically the the series of tweets where it's like, oh, you know, Democrats were uh, <laughs> yeah. the people who fought for slavery. Yeah. You don't uh, learn that, that in public yeah. school. That old, <laughs> and then the reply, you yeah. absolutely learned that in public school. And then the final reply, <laughs> yeah. well, I was homeschooled, but yes, I didn't learn exactly. that. <laughs> that's the whole yeah. campaign. Uh, that's okay. yeah. you, you didn't learn that. You, you know, you know, Lincoln was a Republican. You didn't learn that in school. I'm like, actually, I learned it like third grade. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I learned it. Yeah, it, it is really uh, interesting that, the like you said, these people are... The concern that they have 
But when they try to articulate like the concern, you're yeah. like, well, not, that doesn't, those two things don't make any sense. Yeah. Like, well, she also, she is really good. She does has a very Trumpian flow to when she's arguing where just never concedes anything. Like, for example, this here, she's talking about how she's going to vote against any referendums to raise property taxes. And someone points out like, OK, but what if you were on the school board for 20 years? Would you just never vote for a property tax increase? You would never vote for a referendum. And she she responds and says, number one, looking backwards is not productive. It's looking forward. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, no one should be a career politician. And it's like, oh, that's a great just way to completely turn the argument on its head and just be like, mm, doesn't look like anything to me. <laughs> yeah. So I guess um, I mean, we've, we've kind of said it before, but if you are in the Christina school, yeah, for the love of God, do Douglas. not vote for her. Jesus, just vote for Doug Manley, for Christ's yeah. sakes. Vote for danger. Uh, you said Trumpian, so there's also she's got a disanctimonious component to her. Mm. Recent tweet, it's this kind of gross, layered uh, chocolate pudding cup. Oh god, she did do a pudding cup. Yeah, education, parfait. Parfait, ed- education is the layering of ideas, opportunities, challenges, and successes. I will bring those components necessary to build those layers in Christina School District. Uh, it's sugar, man. <laughs> it's sugar, man. Yeah, he, I mean, he 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 definitely ate the pudding with his hands. I mean, you don't yeah. just make that up. He, he ate. The, he made that. He made I mean, the spoon. Look with at the fingers. man. He he clearly ate pudding with his hands. Yeah, yeah. I I love him, um, because I love him because he's the per, he's going to be the a great foil for Trump. Like the things that Trump are, is going to do to that guy who has no juice, mm-hmm. no pizzazz, no personality. Uh, who like. Did you see when he got the question? He finally got a question about being in Guantanamo and and be and watching people get tortured. He was like, "Hey man, come on! You think this guy remembers me there?" I'm like, "So, so you were there? <laughs> like, like it was like probably the most traumatic, yeah. violent, life changing experience of this human being's yeah. life. Being, also, being tortured of in Guantanamo. Cuba, like, maybe he did remember you there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And speaking of Guantanamo, we actually have." Um, Another school board candidate who is a troop who's running for school board. Oh yes, you were you were telling me this before, but not yeah. like the full background. So yeah. where where is this person running? In red clay. Oh, this is the guy who's running against Jose. No, it's the guy running against Ajay. Oh uh, right, Carly right. Cornhole yeah. is the one running against Jose. Cornhole. Her <laughs> name yeah. is Cornhole. His name. His name is Cornhole. Yeah. Something like that. Who escaped the the socialist evil socialist yeah, regime country. of uh, Portugal? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing where it sounds Portuguese, like we're making a man. joke, like yeah. it's the character that we've invented, <laughs> nope. but no one is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, I, we, we can't. This whole platform. Yeah, in 2020. there is maybe something to the idea that we're just getting the school board characters we deserve because we're inventing all of them and then like yeah. springing them into life. They're all just jumping off of the page. He literally, he was, he had to get on a <laughs> boat and escape, and escape the the evil yeah. communist empire in Lisbon. Yeah, no, he should have called in the drone strikes from John Shelley. John could have, uh, you know, raised Portugal and because uh, literally his whole story it. is like, oh, my parents escaped the Carnation Revolution, which, <laughs> uh, you know, then the, it's in the name that you know, <laughs> it, it went a certain kind of way that is probably not what he's describing. Yeah, well, no, John Shelley was, according to his LinkedIn, a battlefield planner during the Iraq War. So, um, you know, do with that information what you will. Draw your own conclusions. Yeah, we 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 have a troop who. Fled 
His parents fled, which, which as, as Carl points out on a regular basis, one of his famous tweets actually said this is, all of that means is that your, 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 you know, your parents' plantation and slave plantation was, was, you know, was taken by the government and the slaves were freed. That's usually what that means. Um, so, yeah, this, it's such a weird uh, thing. To, and I thought you were going to say, like, Venezuela. No, that would make or, a lot more sense. Like, at least, yeah, that no, would, at least the Venezuela or Cuba had some sort of, like, violent revolution that, like, you know, people were killed at some point. Where the carnage, like, Portugal. Well, they were probably small business as, owners and the taxes went up. Yeah, it's about as nice as a transition you can go from fascism to not fascism. It, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. now he's got the freedom to have his campaign donors pay for his gasoline. So that's one benefit, <laughs> I guess, of this long-term grift he and seems to, to be signs, running. place uh, signs in places that they're not supposed to be and to get loaned office space and not put it on his financial reports and other stuff like that. Well, Much these to guys, consider. Yeah, I mean, that's the th- and that's the thing about school board, too, is you get a lot of these sort of, like, DIY cranks, and they don't really know. They have no um, sort of infrastructure or people that are um, helping them or supporting their, their campaign – so well, they, they do, really... but that's a whole other story. Well... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just—it's just—it's just a huge mess. That's what I try to tell people is when they, when they're like, "Oh, did I get my reporting in time? Did I check the box?" I was like, if, "If you're putting in an effort, you're probably doing more than eighty percent of these lunatics that are running these DIY sort of like Trumpian like I'm gonna." I'm going to stop CRT yeah. and, and build a wax museum. Yeah. <laughs> also, like I'm—I've got to be dipping out for. Real work. However, I just need to say, like, before I leave, I'm sorry to uh, take control. Grab in the this mic. Do However, it. Um, please, Do I it. am begging people, run for school board for normal reasons. There are so, like, there we've seen a variety of people running for a whole lot of reasons. And, you know, some there's some great folks running. However, so many people are running for just truly the oddest reasons. And it's just go find another hobby. Go find... Um, a, a way to contribute to a cause you care about, you know, just please stop running for school board for the weirdest reasons. So real quickly before we go, I just want to give some people a heads up. Uh, we're going to be working on several different things uh, in the next month or two. Uh, we're going to be uh, looking into uh, some stuff on the music scene, uh, some cool stuff that's going down um, on YouTube, live streams on YouTube. Uh, I attended one of the... Uh, recordings uh, or one of the stream uh, shots last week. Very cool stuff. More information on that. Uh, we're going to be talking about more history stuff because that's starting to uh, starting to come up. I think we're, we're going to have some funding in some fashion secured for another project we're doing. We'll be talking about that quite a bit. And also, William, there's going to be a few. I know I mentioned the, um, the uh, Schofield trial that we've talked about before. There's also another police officer going to trial the guy who smashed the dude's head against the wall in Southbridge in the, in the bodega is going on trial so I'm going to pop over there a couple of, for a couple of days and see what's what's doing there because I think that's another Denny special yeah that's another because Denny gets all the all the cops in the you know in that the part of the, the part of the DOJ he's in so that'll be fun to see him shuffle around a courtroom and you know give the cops some kind of beat I, I'm interested to see if the <clears throat> If that trial is 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 like um, is like the Jimmy McCall trial, where it was just like like nobody knew it was happening. It was like three people in the court, you know, no family, no nothing. Um, 
you know, I, I wonder how I wonder how it's going to go, and I also wonder sort of what the Wilmington Police Department's going to do about it. You know, how they had to kind of eventually come out and be like, yeah, this guy, the McCall, like, yeah, this guy lied. Like, but that was sort of after the fact. Shooting Yahim was okay. This one is, is, is actually, you know, assaulting someone on, on camera for no reason. So it's a little bit different, and I wonder whether, um, you know, the, the, the vibe in there will be any different. But, yeah, so we have, you know, we have some, some fun uh, court-related things we might be doing. I know people love that. They love when we do the courts. They love it. They love it. <laughs> they love it. Um, and, and yeah, we'll 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 keep, continue to bring one every week. Uh, we hope that you will consider a patronage, patreon.com slash the Highlands Bunker. We're at Highlands Bunker on Twitter. If if somebody wants to send me a a blue sky invite, I'll, I'll hop over there. I'll do a blue. I'll blue sky up. You know, um, hit me up. Send me the invite. I don't know how that works though. Are any of you guys on Blue Sky? The new, the new Twitter. The Not new, yet. The, 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 no. No, I thought about it this week. There was, I forget, Monday or Tuesday of this week. I was just logged out of Twitter. Yeah. Kept logging back in like five times in a row. Oh right, yeah, it was. I down. was like, is it because I've got a pretty common like handle on there, so yeah. people try and I think reset my password quite a bit. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this doesn't feel like that. This just feels like it's breaking. Yeah. Again. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it it was breaking for everybody. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. good. Yeah, so there, there'll, there'll be a... I just like the idea of there being, like, somewhere else to go and fuck around, you know? Yeah, uh, see if it sticks. See if it sticks, whatever. But it's... Yeah, yeah it's, I think it's the it's the, it's the Twitter guys uh, that were there before Musk, like the Jack like Dorsey Jack. types, uh, who just basically build a, a new sort of basically the same... I guess there's no DMs, which that sounds fine by me. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, that should be maybe something fun. So, hey... Apparently, you have to get an invite from a current user. So, if any of their current users out there want to want to hit me up, get me on there, that'd be uh, that'd be super. So, all right. Well, we will uh, we will talk to you soon. And uh, let oh yes, 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 the left is best. Yeah.